Welcome to Tax Notes Talk, a podcast from Tax Notes, the leading source of tax news, information, and analysis. Hello, and Happy New Year from Tax Analysts. I'm David Stewart, Editor-in-Chief of Worldwide Tax Daily. With 2017 in the history books, it's time to take a look ahead at 2018. To get a sense of what to expect, we've invited Tax Analyst Vice President of Editorial Operations Jeremy Scott and Tax Notes Today legal reporter Emily Foster to give us a legislative and regulatory preview of the year ahead. We start first with Jeremy Scott, who joins me in the studio to discuss the legislative outlook. Jeremy, welcome back. Thank you for having me. The process for passing tax reform was fairly rushed, so I'm assuming it's bound to have many unintended consequences. Are we likely to see changes to the law in 2018? Certainly Republicans intend to try to change the law this year. What we heard from House Ways and Means Chair Kevin Brady late last year was that he wanted to introduce a series of technical corrections. He also wanted to introduce some provisions that got left out of the bill because of Senate budget rules. If you try to pass something that the Senate uh, that doesn't comply with the bird rules in the Senate, obviously you have to have Democratic support. And that's going to be the big question this year. Can they get Democratic support for any kind of technical corrections or any sort of smoothing out of some of the provisions? That That isn't too likely. Democrats late last year indicated that they weren't all that interested in working with Republicans on technical corrections, but that doesn't mean that the Republicans won't try. And Brady even indicated that they might try to use reconciliation again, which obviously would wait until the later part of this year uh, in order to pass. So what Brady was talking about having to address is he wanted to address the education provisions in the bill. He did not think that they had simplified them enough. The House obviously had tried to do a lot more on this, and the Senate had rejected that approach, and then the compromise went largely with the Senate approach. So what Brady has talked about is a bill that might try to simplify the education credits. He also said they couldn't address retirement in the context of the final bill, and the reason for that is bird rules don't let you touch Social Security. So that sort of limited their options. At one point, they were discussing things like Roth in other words, turning all 401ks into more Roth IRAs, but they ultimately didn't go with that because it didn't raise much revenue and seemed overly complicated. And without the ability to affect Social Security, you couldn't address all retirement provisions. So what Brady was saying is he'd like to see something that worked on getting those provisions that they left on the cutting room floor, as he put it, back into law. And to do that, he would need Democratic support or to use a different form of reconciliation, although it's more likely he would need Democratic support. So I would say those aren't too likely, but you may see bill proposals throughout the year. The other main area that Brady mentioned that might need tweaked are the international rules. And obviously, we've talked here about how some of the international provisions in the bill are not WTO compliant or might not be WTO compliant. And I think Brady would like to use a Technical Corrections Act to maybe address some of those peripheral issues. So that is the big stuff that you're likely to see Republicans talking about in terms of tweaking the tax bill that was passed in 2017. Again, it's not clear they can get any of it done, both because of bird rules and the lack of Democratic support. But I do think you will hear about that as the year goes on. And you may hear even more about it as Treasury and the IRS start to address the problem of implementation and getting regs and guidance out on these provisions. With tax reform now passed, uh, what are the remaining priorities legislatively for the administration and for lawmakers? I think that's interesting. And and there's obviously a little bit of divergence between the administration's priorities and lawmakers' priorities. One thing we heard about at the end of last year uh, was extenders were a priority for certain senators. And these are renewable energy credits, things that got that things that expired at the end of 2016, that there was an agreement to not address them in terms of tax reform. Those might resurface this year. Um, They might not. Um, The other the administration's priorities are a lot more 
a lot less likely, I guess, to have political support in Congress, but still you might hear about them. One of them is infrastructure that Trump promised during the campaign that he was going to address infrastructure. He brought it up again in light of the Amtrak derailment in late December. Uh, any infrastructure bill is likely to have something of a tax component. It's not obviously going to be paid for by repatriation or an infrastructure bank. That ship has sailed since they addressed repatriation in the tax reform bill. But I do think you might see new forms of being able to pay for it or new forms of encouraging investment in infrastructure. This could be a new type of tax-favored bond, which the president has mentioned several times. It could be reinvigorating existing bonds by changing the rules. There is likely any infrastructure bill is going to have a tax component. And I do think Republicans will talk about infrastructure this year. It would be a nice thing for them to address going into the election. It might be even a nice thing for them to bring to the floor, have fail because of lack of Democratic support, and then use that against Democrats in the 2018 elections. Now, the tax plan eliminated the individual mandate under the Affordable Care Act. Uh, are we likely to see additional efforts at ACA repeal in 2018? Let's hope not. Uh, but the reality is probably so. Uh, the Republicans are likely to talk about health care this year. Pulling the mandate uh, out, of the, out of law, you know, repealing it as part of the tax reform bill, leaves some unintended gaps in the health care law that I think they're going to have to at least talk about addressing. And so you're gonna, we're going to hear more about health care. It dominated last year. It's probably not going to be this broad of discussions as we heard last year, which was, of course, entirely repealing the law. I think what you're going to hear, you're going to hear about backing up the subsidies. You're going to hear about propping up the exchanges. And you're going to hear about repealing unpopular taxes. At some point, Republicans are going to try to pass a bill that repeals the medical device excise tax, that repeals the Cadillac tax, which has never actually gone into effect. Maybe they even talk about the net investment income tax, although that one's a little bit more popular. Many of these things in the past have drawn Democratic support. There are lots of Democrats who are opposed to the Cadillac tax. There are lots of Democrats who are opposed to the medical device excise tax. So if Republicans have talked about if they split this type of health care repeal up into small chunks, they might get a little bit more support. They might get some Democratic votes to replace skeptical Republicans. So I think you'll hear about that. Will they actually bring these to the floor? I think that depends upon whether they think there's much of a chance of success. I really doubt, even if Democrats support repealing some of these portions of the ACA or some of these portions of ACA taxes, that they're going to vote for it in an election year. I, I just think that they want the health care issue to sort of be owned by Republicans. They want ACA repeal to be owned by the administration, to be owned by you know vulnerable lawmakers running for re-election. So I don't think much will pass, but I do think you will hear them talk about putting bringing bills up. And some of them might actually get through the House where there's a healthier Republican majority. It sounds like what we're looking at is a, a less monumental year in taxation, but still plenty to talk about. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, tax is always going to be talked about because it's how government is funded. It's how you pay for other priorities. So you're never going to have a year where nothing is talked about in the area of tax and tax legislation. But we definitely aren't going to see the same level of action or even the same level of interest from both lawmakers and observers as we saw this year. All right. Jeremy, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. That was Jeremy Scott, Tax Analyst Vice President of Editorial Operations. Joining me now in the studio to talk about upcoming regulatory guidance is Tax Notes Today legal reporter Emily Foster. Emily, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, David. We just witnessed the passage of a major tax reform bill. What does that mean for guidance priorities? That means guidance priorities will shift. With tax reform as the top priority, Treasury and the IRS will need to address a new set of issues. Now, the tax reform bill takes on many complicated issues, such as partnerships and international tax. What do we know about coming guidance in these areas? 
There'd be a significant amount of guidance we expect in those areas. Last year, David Cowder, Treasury Assistant Secretary for Tax Policy, noted that there were more than 80 grants of regulatory authority in the House bill. Presumably, those grants of authority ended up in the final bill. Although Treasury and IRS have said that the grant of authority didn't necessarily mean that regulations would be required, they also noted that many of the provisions of the tax reform bill will require guidance. What practitioners have said, you know, as far as tax reform simplifying the law, that's not the case, particularly, for example, in the international context. They've said it's so much more complicated, which will mean more guidance is needed. Is there any sense of how Treasury plans to quickly address the need for new guidance in areas that are effective immediately? Dana Trier, Treasury Deputy Assistant for Tax Policy, said last year that Treasury's early involvement in the tax reform efforts would be beneficial as we moved into implementation, because that enhances Treasury's understanding of how the legislation should be applied in different issues in advance of drafting regulations. So he said as long as there was a meeting of the minds between Treasury and Capitol Hill staff and good legislative history, that should facilitate developing the necessary guidance. Treasury and IRS officials also noted that they would be issuing notices, lots of them, they said, as the vehicle of choice and that regulations could follow later. Treasury officials also said that they would be looking to the tax community to help. You know, given the limited resources at Treasury and the IRS, tax community can help identify and work through issues and help prioritize what's most important to address the different changes coming with the tax reform bill. What provisions seem to be uh, foremost on uh, practitioner and taxpayer minds as in need of guidance? Probably a number of issues. The top priority that we've heard about is the deemed repatriation provision, because those rules have caused much consternation among practitioners and taxpayers due to double-counting issues, complexities in computing earnings and profit, and the urgent need for clarification. And that's because taxpayers have to estimate quickly and accurately as possible the amount of tax associated with the deemed repatriation, because they need to disclose it in their financial statements for 2017 and their tax returns for 2017. Treasury has indicated that that's a good example of where notices will be used. And in fact, after the 2004 Jobs Act that created the temporary elective deem repatriation, somewhat similar, somewhat different, the IRS issued a series of three notices, with the first one issued three months after the Jobs Act was enacted. I guess all this discussion of the need for additional regulation brings up President Trump's priority of cutting back on regulations. Uh, Many of our listeners may have seen the president posing with a, a very large stack of papers representing the current level of regulation and a much smaller stack of papers representing the level of regulation that existed in 1960. The administration has imposed a two-for-one rule where two rules must be removed for every one new rule brought into place. So how does that two-for-one rule and the simplification agenda affect the need for guidance going forward in 2018? Well, that's the million-dollar question that remains unanswered, whether the two-for-one rule applies in the tax policy context. What officials said last year is that there are ongoing conversations among the agencies as to whether that rule applies in, in the tax arena. Some Treasury officials and practitioners have shared their views of whether the rule does or doesn't or should or shouldn't apply. What that rule means is that no net additional costs can be incurred when introducing some new regulations. So the cost of those regulations must be offset by the existing cost of at least two prior regulations that would be repealed. And although the Office of Management and Budget provided some guidance, limiting the two-for-one rule to significant regulatory actions, that caused some confusion at Treasury because historically the department took the position that most of its regs are interpretive and therefore didn't fall within the meaning of significant. 
On the conference circuit towards the end of last year, Treasury officials said that many of their regulations on the, on the guidance plan are inherently deregulatory. That is, you know, they reduce burden and complexity for taxpayers. And they're even there because taxpayers and their advisors have requested that guidance. So the department considers those regulations as an exception to the two-for-one rule. So we really don't know if that rule applies as tax reform moves forward. But if it does, there are a host of questions on how the cost of regs are determined. And that would be an onerous task for Treasury in the midst of tax reform. With all this focus on cutting regulations, what simplification projects is the Treasury Department working on? Well, not surprising, on the Treasury's plan are recommendations related to the eight significant 2016 regulations that the department identified in response to President Trump's executive order. And that order required them to identify and make recommendations on those regs that created undue financial burden, added undue complexity, or exceeded IRS's statutory authority. Two areas Treasury has already addressed. They withdrew proposed regulations on the estate tax valuation rules and political subdivisions, which relate to tax-exempt bonds. On that list, as well, is one of the most contentious areas, the Section 385 debt equity regs, which were often criticized for their overly burdensome documentation rules. Treasury plans to remove those rules, and Dana Trier noted last year that they plan to work on the proposed replacement regs early this year, but those regs wouldn't be effective until 2020 or later, until after they go through the notice and comment period. The distribution rules of the Section 385 regs that are directed at inversions and earnings stripping, Treasury's thinking there is that tax reform, the anti-base erosion and earnings stripping provisions, could obviate the need for those rules. So it'll be interesting to see how and when that is determined. Another project on the list that could be obviated by the tax bill is the project concerning transfers of property to foreign corporations. And that's because tax bill repeals the active trader business exception under Section 367, and Treasury had plans to revisit a possible exception for the foreign goodwill and going concern, and that could become moot. The partnership tax area is a known priority for Treasury and IRS, particularly the implementation of the partnership audit regime. What is likely on the horizon for those rules? Treasury and the IRS had hoped by the end of last year that they would have released as much urgent guidance as possible in case people needed to amend the partnership agreements by January 1st. For example, last year they did issue proposed regs regarding rules allowing partnerships to push out adjustments through tiered structures and addressed some of the rules concerning the administrative and judicial review process. Treasury is also working on finalizing the regulations to the proposed rules that were reissued last June, but plans to focus again on the most urgent items rather than issue an entire package at once. With all that's going on, tax reform, simplification, partnership audit regulations, will Treasury and the IRS be able to address any of the other longstanding issues that practitioners say require additional guidance? That's a good question. It's worth noting that the 2017-2018 priority guidance plan is different in prior years in a number of ways. First, they scaled back the number of projects from about 280 to about 200, and that's in part due to Treasury adopting the 80% rule. And what that means is that if a project had an 80% chance of being completed, then that project would end up on the plan. That didn't mean that other projects weren't being worked on, just that they couldn't be completed within that time frame. So that section of the plan that addresses those other areas, there are over 150 guidance projects across a number of subject areas, such as employee benefits, corporations, partnerships, international, and tax accounting. And Treasury considers those burden-reducing in nature because they provide taxpayers and advisors clarity on how to apply the law. Most of those projects, however, are sub-regulatory guidance, like notices, revenue rulings, or revenue procedures. Towards the end of last year, 
Treasury and IRS officials noted several of them that were near completion with the hope that they would still be able to push them forward, but with tax reform as a priority, no promises were made. So going forward, Treasury and IRS will relook at those projects and probably determine which are most critical and need to move forward. In addition, tax reform may obviate the need for some guidance. So, for example, the repeal of the domestic production deduction in the tax bill would make unnecessary the projects that deal with regulations in that area. So I think we'll see a shift in priorities and perhaps some communication that will tell the community what the new priorities will be going forward this year. Right. Sounds like there's a lot to keep track of in 2018. Emily, thank you for being here. Thank you, Dave. That's it for this week. You can follow me on Twitter at TaxStew, that's S-T-E-W. If you have any comments, questions, or would like to suggest a topic for a future podcast, you can email us at podcast at taxanalysts.org. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play to make sure you get the next episode of Tax Notes Talk. Tax Notes Talk is a production of Tax Notes. You can learn more about us by visiting www.taxnotes.com backslash products. When major media wants the straight story, they turn to Tax Notes. Thank you for listening, and join us again for another edition of Tax Notes Talk. Tax Analyst Inc. does not provide tax advice or tax preparation services. Nothing in the podcast constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice. A full disclaimer is included in the transcript.